بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما جهلنا وذكرنا ما نسينا وزدنا علما سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم أما بعد Before we touch on some of the verses which were recited tonight I wanted to touch on something which we recited last night and it was verses in which we would have frequently heard وَمَنْ لَمْ يَحْكُمْ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْكَافِرُونَ The meaning of these verses is that whoever does not make his judgment and decree in accordance with that which was revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so there are three verses the first says that they are from the disbelievers the second is they are from the oppressors and the third is they are the fasiqeen the wrongdoers and to understand the meaning of these verses there was an incident in the time of the sahaba radiallahu anhu in the time of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu where he had a dispute with some other sahaba radiallahu anhu and they were coming to some compromise to arrange and facilitate a mediator to discuss the difference that they had and when they decided to appoint a mediator as a hakam to sit between them and assist them in coming to some common grounds a group from amongst the group of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu an they said no no this is uh, un-Islamic they were judging Sayyidina Ali radiallahu an and they used the verse of the Quran this particular verse that you cannot that person who does not judge with the Quran with that which was revealed by Allah that person is a kafir in the sense that they are saying Sayyidina Ali radiallahu an was a kafir because he is not listening to what they are saying he is settling for a mediator and appointing somebody to judge between him and the group that was opposing Sayyidina Ali radiallahu an whereas in reality appointing a mediator is established in the text of the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says if a husband and wife are having a dispute وَإِنْ خِفْتُمْ شِقَاقَ بَيْنِهِمَا فَبَعَثُوا حَكَمًا مِنْ أَهْلِهِ وَحَكَمًا مِنْ أَهْلِهَا and in fact Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu was sent by Sayyidina Ali to explain to these people that you are misunderstanding the, the meaning of the verses do not use cherry pick verses of the Quran and then apply a meaning which you have developed in your own mind to, uh, to explain the particular meaning of, of that verse so he says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed the permissibility to appoint a mediator when a husband and wife have a dispute when two Muslim groups are having a dispute why would it not be permissible to facilitate and arrange for somebody or some people to unite the hearts of the two groups so this is not in contradiction with the teaching of the Quran and on this point it is so important for us to understand that uh, we should learn our deen from uh, ulama and those who have a link in a classical chain of transmission the ulama who have studied from teachers who studied from teachers who up, up to the sahaba radiallahu anhum and not people who merely because they are, you see them on, on on youtube or you see a person speaking on a particular website you know recently there was a particular person who supposed to be a scholar and he says that uh, i drink beer because I live in an Arab country and two or three percent of alcohol is fine. Na'udhu billah. Whereas Rasulullah said, مَا أَسْكَرَ كَثِيرُهُ فَقَلِيلُهُ حَرَامٌ If something intoxicates in large volumes and large amounts, then even a minimum amount is impermissible. It is haram. And then he retracted in another statement saying that I'm not really a scholar and I take back this. But he already passed that fatwa online. So that's why it's so important with respect to brothers. Many times we uh, take effect from something which seems new and shiny. When you have 
experience ulama in our country, in, in, alhamdulillah, in our country, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with so many ulama. So whoever you are comfortable with, as long as you know these are ulama from Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, these are ulama who are attached to the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you're comfortable with them, they're not infallible, they make mistakes as well. Besides the Anbiya alayhim salam, nobody, nobody's infallible. So the ulama will also make mistakes. But their mistakes will be tolerated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they've got the big responsibility of ensuring that uh, they must practice on deen and they have to guide others. So we need to be selective and see who we choose as our scholars. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us this responsibility. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa The knowledge of deen, the knowledge itself of the, the sacred knowledge is actually your deen. It represents your deen. So be careful with regards to who you choose or who you associate with for taking your deen. So this particular verse they use out of context many times and this is something which is becoming common where people read a translation, they come across a verse or they come across a hadith and they come to a conclusion and say well this is halal and this is haram, this is permissible, this is impermissible. To be able to do that there is a process of study and research required to come to the conclusion of what is halal and what is haram. You cannot just label a person who has a difference of opinion in a particular fiqhi mas'ala, jurisprudic matter, as a kafir because his view differs. There are certain matters in deen which are related to usul, which are related to essentials and integrals of deen, in which there's no two opinions. You do not have two opinions regarding the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's only one Allah. There is no two opinions with regards to the risala and khatmun nubuwa of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the finality of his prophethood. But in certain other aspects, there might be differences of opinion. And when there are differences of opinion, we need to respect the scholars who have these differences. And the, the, the two groups who have the varying opinions should respect one another as well. This was found in the time of the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told the Sahaba radiallahu anhu on one occasion when they were traveling to the area of Banu Quraydah, a Jewish area. He said, لا يصلين أحدكم العصر إلا في بني قريضة None of you should perform your salat al-asr except in Bani Quraydah. So some of the Sahaba, when they were, as they were traveling, traveling, the time of Asr was expiring, it was nearly Maghrib time. So one group said, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam meant that we should hasten and ensure that we should try to be there by Maghrib and make our Asr before Maghrib when we reach on time. And the other group said, no, the literal words of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam were, you should not make your Asr except in Banu Quraydah. If the sun is going to set and we're still traveling, we will not make Asr until we reach there. That's the command of Rasulullah Sallallahu Two totally contradicting understandings. One is taking a literal meaning that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, we will make your Asr in Banu Quraydah. So it means even after sunset, I'm making my Asr. That was the instruction of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The other group said, no. What he meant was hasten and try to ensure that you're on time before Maghrib so you can make your Asr before Maghrib. So some Sahaba made Asr on the way and the other group, now we're talking of moving the time of one Salah out of it, which is haram normally. But here the instruction of Rasulullah Sallallahu is being interpreted by the scholars of the Sahaba, two groups, and they came to two different conclusions. And the other group came to Banu Quraydah, so Maghrib was over already, they performed the Asr and then they performed the, the Maghrib. Then they asked Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with regards to who was correct and who was not. He said both were correct. So sometimes in jurisprudence secondary matters, 
You do not have to have exactly the same opinion as long as it's a secondary matter. It doesn't mean that we take things of essential, uh, essential nature and we say, no, it's a secondary matter, it's fine if I have a difference of opinion. No, no. If something is haram in the text of Sharia, if something is known to be haram, then to make it halal is impermissible. The ulama say what is, it is classified in the books of Aqidah as ma'lumun min ad-deen bil-darura. It is known to be in a particular category with necessity. For example, the ob obligatory nature of salah is fard. Zakah is fard, ob obligatory. Psalm and the fasting in the month of Ramadan is fard. Hajj once in a lifetime is fard. So if a person says salah is not fard, zakah is not fard, or he says hajj is not fard, automatically that statement takes him out of the fold of Islam because he has negated something which is established with certainty and from this category of ma'lumun min ad-deen bil-darura it is known to be the integral part of deen similarly there are certain things which are haram taking intoxicants is haram engaging in zina is haram so if a person indulges in intoxicants and zina it's a haram activity which doesn't take you out of the fold of Islam but if a person says that zina, even if he's not committing zina, but he says zina doesn't take you out of the fold, zina is not haram. Or he says that uh, uh, intoxicants is not haram. Then that will take him out of the, even if he's not a drinker. So one is a, a person who is drinking, but he knows it's haram, he can still make tawbah. He understands it's my weakness, I've got this problem, and I need help. So that person is still in the fold of Islam, but he... He's got this major enormity, the sin, a kabira, which is on his shoulders. And a person who says, no, to drink is not, uh, it's not haram. To indulge in, in zina is not haram. Uh, homosexual haram relationships is not haram. Then that is sufficient to take a person out of the fall of Islam because that's understood with necessity to be haram in, in Islam. Besides these things, if there are things of a secondary nature, there are things of a jurisprudic nature, whether it's, and I'm going to be clear, whether some scholars have the view that at the time of need, when there is a fear of COVID to stand with distancing, there is a view of some scholars that is a jurisprudic view. And those who feel that you should, the, 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 the need is not so severe at this time and they should stand shoulder to shoulder, it's a jurisprudic view. It is a view which has to be respected both, uh, both ways. It should not be that we disrespect ulama and we disrespect scholars or we disrespect our fellow Muslim brothers at a time when the hearts of the Ummah are supposed to be united. The specific time of Laylatul Qadr was taken away from the Ummah because of two Sahaba radiallahu anhum having a dispute at a particular time. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said its specific uh, day and, and, and night of the month of Ramadan has been lifted from the Ummah so you have to search for it throughout the month and especially in the last 10 nights. So how serious will it be when in the month of Ramadan Throughout the year, we find excuses to find fault with scholars of deen. We find an excuse to say, what's wrong with the scholars? You know, they can't agree on anything. They're not supposed to agree on everything. Even doctors don't agree on everything. Lawyers don't agree with everything. We want all ulama to agree with everything. If there is scope for, for differences of opinion in jurisprudence matters of a secondary nature, then it's totally permissible. And we don't have the right, those of us who are not qualified, we should speak, stick to our fields of speciality. If I'm specializing in a particular field and I've got a degree in a particular field, Barakallahu Feek, may Allah give you Barakah and specialize in your field. But don't overstep the mark and step into the field of Islamic theology and jurisprudence and try to become the judge of the people who are the means of deen coming to us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding, respected brothers. Go to countries where there's no ulama. 
Alhamdulillah, many of the ulama have traveled to different countries. I have personally been to a country in Ukraine. I mentioned this previously. Many years ago in 2002 was the first time I went there. I went for a few years in the month of Ramadan. And the first year I went there, there wasn't one hafiz in the whole country. We made a khatam in the month of Ramadan, and it was the first khatam since the days of Stalin and the communist regime. Old ladies came with, a, with the Yasin and the Mus'haf, the old copies of the Qur'an Sharif that they had, with the marks and the, and the stains of, of the, the, the wax, the candle wax that burnt and, and spoiled the pages that they used to read in the dungeons because they were unable to express and display themselves as Muslims. Allah has given us such a ni'mah and yet we show disregard, disregard for it and we don't, we don't appreciate this bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So look at those places where they do not have ulama, where they do not have scholars of deen. And then we will be able to tolerate and say, okay, there's a difference of opinion. I might not agree, but I still love this person. I still respect them. They are still our seniors. They are still our brothers. And we make dua for one another. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide our hearts and give us tawfiq to live lives of mutual respect and dignity, insha'Allah. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما والحقنا بعبادك الصالحين اللهم إنا نسألك العفو والعافية والمعافاة الدائمة في الدين والدنيا والآخرة والفوز بالجنة والنجاة من النار اللهم تقبل منا صلاتنا وصيامنا وجميع أعمالنا اللهم تقبل منا القليل وسامحنا بالكثير ولا تؤاخذنا بالتقصير وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه